This is Table Talk 19.75 from the fellas at Late Afternoon Gaming. Tonight, we're talking about something. I just finished editing it, and I've already forgotten, but I'm sure it was interesting. Skip to downtime 4 if that doesn't excite you, and maybe one day we'll get around to doing session 20. Enjoy. Welcome back to Table Talk. <laughs> so, uh, I've already gone over it a couple times, but... Uh, I have nothing to say for the Ombudsman Report because Downtime 3 was perfect, uh, and we are up to 685 total downloads for the podcast, so we're doing very well. Uh, we're about to top most of the charts for gaming. That concludes the administrative portion of this table talk. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, today is another Adventures League day. Uh, Duncan, what the hell is wrong with your schedule? You, you've mentioned that the last couple of times you've had to do this because things are just getting really hectic on your end. Yeah, so, uh, in in a word, scope creep. That's, oh, okay. For people who are unfamiliar, which I imagine a lot of people are, but yeah. what is so, scope creep? Uh, for, uh, for all you nublets out there, scope creep is uh, when a project is supposed to encompass a very specific set of objectives, and then people go, oh, but what about this? Can you do that too? Like, yeah. I, I mean, we're I, not going to give you could. more time no, like, or more resources, but it would be nice if you could sort of tack this on. You can right. do that, and, right? And then, uh, you know, I already told your project manager that we're doing it. So the, the scope of the work continues to creep. And I, sometimes this happens for good reason. Like in, in my case, um, you know, I'm researching something and, uh, you know, some of that involves modeling and we'll make we'll, we'll get an interesting finding. Uh, or some news will pop up that, you know, leads to some other obvious questions. And we go, oh, we should, it's a better idea to roll this into the current project than it would be to deliver something without it and then have to tack something on at the end. But at some point, you have to just cut it off and say, okay, that's it. Like, we just need to finish up what we have and deliver that. Um, and unfortunately... The scope expanded enough that uh, it bumped into the delivering that one um, thing, like bumped into another deadline I have on another project. So now I'm I'm you know dual pathing these pretty big things that I'm the point man for. Um, and so every week I go in, the idea is like if I can just power through this week and really kill it, then I won't have anything to do for like a month. Uh, but that continues to be false. But I think this next week's the week. I think I got it licked. <laughs> is there something different Good. about it, or is it the same as all the other ones? Uh, there's a hard deadline at the end of uh, this mm. next week, and a hard-ish deadline on the other thing. And so, because one of them is contingent on people flying in from a different continent and leaving, and oh, that is happening, okay. right? And that will happen on schedule. So. Uh, it's a it's a an opportunity for me to just cut it off right there and say, all right, that's it. And I uh, I put in for a bunch of PTO on the back end of it, so I'm just going to disappear when it's over. Gotcha. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I was telling Duncan before we started, but I'm also taking some PTO soon, and I'm going to be using that primarily to finish up preparations for the Adventures League session slash sessions that I am running. That everyone should be very excited about. I I was excited when I read what you had planned. I think it'll be good. We uh, it was it was a really, as much as I love 
how you DM, Duncan, the fact that the witches didn't come out during that session offended me. And we're finally going to get that yeah. back because of somebody else coming <laughs> through for us, which, you know. Well, yeah, luckily one of us is brave enough to tackle the real issues. Mm-hmm. Which is- what does it say about my DMing that while I was DMing, I got bored enough that I went off script? <laughs> it says that you're not invested. I think it says that I, I'm, I, I see myself as sort of the Anakin to Gygax's Obi Wan. Okay. I've just, I've simply gotten more powerful. Uh, the loser. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, end. in the end, if you remember, Anakin killed Obi Wan. Yeah, that's all there was to it. You're right. Yeah. Well, he fucking, I saw him chop him down. Obi-Wan said a bunch of religious bullshit, and then he just got whacked. Yeah, the most intense lightsaber fight in the entire series. Yeah. I know there's, like, a lot going on under the hood in that one in terms of, like, plot, but, man, is it not. (laughs) Not very exciting to watch. Yeah, they started releasing, and Jack, you can link to this, all these reimaginings of it, like people made new edits of it um, to make like the lightsaber fight more exciting. I didn't think it made the scene any better. Yeah. I thought it just made it weird. Release the Snyder Cut. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen this. Star Wars reimagined. It's called like SC38. Nope, I think that's it's called what I'm looking at right now. So, listeners, uh, we're not gonna waste our time on any of this nerd shit. We have. You know, we have DMV oh, yeah. things to talk about. So That's weird. I, uh, I set up a thread for us, table talk material, that I thought, you know, we could use to populate with topics so we could have a more rich and fulfilling conversation. And uh, you guys really didn't contribute much. I put stuff in it. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so we'll run down the list here. Number one, I put in a headline that a Southwest passenger who masturbated on, on the flight got 48 days in prison. <laughs> I did see that. And I I saw that and I immediately thought of you, Jack, because I, I believe you have also been arrested for masturbating on an airplane. Can you talk about that? Uh, legally, no, I can't. But you, you can use your imagination, I guess. Hmm. Uh, as long as I'm in this country, I can't discuss it. But once I go international, you know, I can be a little more free with my information. Well, I guess that's all I had on that one. Yeah, I know, right? I there's a there's actually a, quite a lot of interesting stuff in here. Hold on. Well, so as I understand it, this oh, one the meta for the thing. plane the, to get the over sexual harassment on Meta uh, Metaverse. Oh, well, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think if the plane is over international waters, you can masturbate all you want, and no one can do it. Uh, yeah, I think um, that's kind of the point behind a lot of the seasteading stuff is people want to just be able to jerk off more freely. I think that's true. Yeah, if we have any listeners that are lawyers or judges or, or anything like that, if you could confirm that I'm correct, don't challenge it. If you just confirm <laughs> that I'm correct and email that into lateafternoongaming at gmail.com, I would appreciate that. Uh, okay, and now now we can get onto Facebook uh, virtual reality rape. Yeah, I uh, I had heard people. Yeah, I know you posted this article, but I feel like this came up like months ago. Yeah, this is this is something that has been sort of on and off discussed a lot about like oh people are going to invade my personal space in the metaverse and i believe one of the proposed solutions was just make it so that you can't get close enough to people for that to be a problem well did you did you read the story i did not some people i i think what happened was the uh the the victim in question was she went to a party within the metaverse and was convinced by other partygoers 
to disable the six-foot barrier. I see. She did, and was then, uh, I, I guess, virtually raped. And I, I don't know how, what, like, what the mechanics of that are. If it's just like people bumping into you and making noises, or I assume there's no like sex mechanic that they can. No, there's haptic feedback things that you put all over your body so you, people can physically violate you yeah. virtually. Now, I mean, you can you can look at the video. It's it's basically you know teabagging from Halo. Uh, that's yeah. what's going on. Okay. Yeah. Anus in, a, in the in extreme. A, in a part of so. the video they opted not to share but describe, the researcher was led into a private room at a party where she was... <laughs> why, why not share that part of the video? Okay. Because it's too disturbing. Which, I don't... Dude, the whole metaverse thing, I don't get it at all. Maybe Do you I'm remember when... Um, I, I mean, this must have been like, you know, a decade or more ago, where... All of the crime TV shows would cover like a similar topic, you yeah, know. CSI very, very New close York to each has other. a great Second Life episode. That's what I was thinking of, where, where there's a you know like it's you know Bones and CSI New York and who knows what else. They all have a, a Law and Order SVU. Probably all have like within the same month uh, an episode on virtual reality where some crime is committed. Yeah, no, it, it's awesome, and they're completely ridiculous. And I've never played Second Life, but. I saw that episode, and I'm like, I don't think that's what happens in that yeah. game. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's right. And one of the, you know, the nerdy person on the team has to go undercover. Yeah, so I think there was a, uh, and I don't watch NCIS, but there's an NCIS episode where uh, some, like, some criminal had hid a, like, some clue or something about their identity inside of a video game they were developing, and the only way to, like, get the information was to beat this game. And oh no! Like the, the, like the, you know, all the, the tech guys are like, oh my, like, how are we gonna crack this code? And then they see that there's this person standing off to the side who's like miming controller motions of what they would do, like to beat this thing. And they're like, oh, we just, we've got a gamer in the room. And then they hand the controller to her, and she beats the game, and they get the information. Oh, nice! That it sounds something, amazing. Something like that. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. It to me, that's the same as like the the NCIS meme where there's the two people both typing on the same keyboard at the same oh, time to hack faster. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. I mean, that's, that's real, of course. Real I'm hackers gonna, do that. I but. should be able to find that video. That is a classic. The the two people, one keyboard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What a great gift. Oh, yeah, here it is. So fucking dumb. All right, let's go in and link up. Um, okay, next I posted a meme about... Uh, wage slaves and uh, anarcho-primitivism and celebrated the life and work of uh, Ted Kaczynski aka the Unabomber um, who I, I guess that makes him the uh, serial killer of the week <laughs> sure So uh, yeah you know I was thinking Jack, about that you, I think we need to have a discussion about Killdozer at some point we, we will definitely have a discussion about Killdozer at some point but Jack I need you to defend anarcho-primitivism I'm gonna I'm gonna be straight with you. I'm not entirely sure what that is. Anarcho primitivism. Right, I guess so I can get the see, idea. He's gonna play the main coy. problem the problem to me with any of those anarcho primitivism related things is that unless you've got some sort of mechanism for enforcing the like that everyone else doesn't use technology, you'll be rapidly outcompeted by anyone who doesn't do it. Well, so this is why I have proposed a coalition of anarchists 
Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, get sort of a mob together and, you know, right. kind of sort, set some ground rules that you all abide by in I've order said to like, make things more efficient. Several times. If we could just get organized, we would be a lot more successful, you know, right. with our yeah, anarchic you could be goals. An- anarchic a little more efficiently and, and in a more coordinated fashion. Right. I'm just saying if we come together, we can accomplish things that individually we'd never be capable of, and then we can really live in the anarchist society of our dream. Yeah, and so that, that's my thing is, like, the, are there things about things like <laughs> anarcho-primitivism that are somewhat appealing on the face of it? Yes. But without an enforcing mechanism, you just get, you know, consumed by a society that, you know, rapidly outcompetes you, like I said. Um, especially given the fact that we, most people aren't doing that, unless you've got some way of making them do it. It's just not going to work, so it's romantic but totally impractical well the thing is though if you identify as an anarchist you can then um you know from a position of uh like philosophy and principles just tear other people's shit down yeah which is very nice you know it reminds me of uh and i wrote a book report on this uh starfish and the spider where it was talking about the power of decentralized organizations um but the thing that it didn't really mention was that these organizations uh, that are, you know, very, um, like, flat organizations that don't really have one specific leader and all these, like, they don't build anything. They're only good for tearing other things down. Um, like, they, they don't they don't move anything forward, typically. Um, and that you need coordination in order to build things like infrastructure that allow you to have these disassociated or disorganized uh, groups of people that accomplish some goal again usually the destruction of something else um and it was like a a, in my opinion a very like a very big failure of that book to describe the the specific situations where those kinds of things actually work um and and when people talk about anarcho-primitivism or any of those kinds of systems of air quotes government obviously it's anti-government but that's the kind of thing I think about is is like the massive failure points of any of those things because it's just unworkable in the world that we live in. Well, so that's that's an interesting thing to say because uh, Jack keeps uh, telling me that hierarchies are inherently evil and misogynistic, and he kept calling me uh, a Petersonian. Jack, could you explain that? Why do I have to keep? Why do I have to explain so many stupid things this time? Jordan Peterson is self-explanatory, and if you just listened to more of his stuff, and cleaned your room, and stood with better posture, I wouldn't need to go into the details because you would already know it all. I'm glad we've really laser focused on those two things. Um, <laughs> I don't no, know enough I, Jordan Peterson to know anything yeah, else. Those are the I don't actually listen up. to him ever, so I like. I'm sure he says more than that. I just. Those Maybe are the two things that I think are the drugs, funniest, so we keep we, bringing it up. If we take a bunch of drugs and go into a coma, and then talk about how other people are weak-willed. Mm, that's a good one. And then something-something pronouns. Something about I, I think he's, yeah. he's got something about pronouns. I so just if we go remember. on Twitter and talk about how uh, swimsuit models can't be overweight, and then get really offended when people disagree with us. Mm. That's all yeah, we got for Jordan the, Peterson. Yeah, cool. What about the carnivore diet? Uh, what, is that just the opposite of a vegetarian? Is that is that another thing that he goes for? It's uh, yeah, I, I think he only eats meat. That, that just seems really like it's just a bad idea. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> not like a terrible I've, idea. Nutrition science is something I constantly deride, but uh, all meat just seems like you're going to be missing out on on some like vitamins and nutrients that you're typically going to get from something else. <laughs> I don't I think know. I would and sweat your cholesterol a lot more than I already do. Yeah, 
Yeah. Just slide around in a puddle of grease. Now, I will say, you know, I just mentioned cholesterol. That is something that uh, I've got a coworker who is about 40 years older than me, and that's something that he talks about quite a bit. Um, and it's something I've just, I'm sure it's something I should care about, and I just never have. Uh, and I, I wonder if that's going to bite me or if I'll just be totally fine and it won't really be a concern later on in life. I don't know. I don't know. Is that something you guys track at all? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, then at least I'm in good company. Good talk. No, yeah. uh, <laughs> dietary science is like, um, it's, it's like economics. Astrology. Where, you know, I just don't really believe in it because uh, the experts refuse to agree with each other. Well, there you go. That's all yeah. it takes. Uh, so. Well, one thing. Nope. No. No. Go for it. The real topic we need to discuss is I I submitted some topical campaign drink ideas. Um, Red Dragon Crush and Purple Shabriri Great Mash Number 3. So, what are you boys drinking tonight? Water. Uh, oh, so, uh, yeah, oh. I'm, I was <laughs> chewing ice and forgot that I was chewing <laughs> ice. <laughs> Drinking I am a also southern, drinking water. Uh, <laughs> drinking a Southern Tier Brewing Company Pum King Imperial Pumpkin Ale. Is that from mm. like last fall? Yeah, <laughs> I had a couple stashed away. And it's I was been like, aging. Oh, okay. I was gonna mm. try this. It's uh advertises itself as pumpkin pie in a glass. Ooh, that it's, sounds kind of gross. That sounds, delicious. <laughs> sounds like it could be. Okay. That sounds like it could be okay for a drink, but I don't think I would yeah. want to have more than one. I'm I'm happy. This is a good like dessert post dinner. I I would not want to have multiple. I don't know. I was gonna compare it. I was gonna say like it. It kind of sounds like the thing where it, it sounds nice to eat a slice of cake, but I wouldn't want to eat an entire cake. <laughs> How about would you eat a bottle of cake? <laughs> liquid cake. I, I I mean I'm a I'm like a a quarter of the way and maybe less. I think I won't have any problems getting to the end, but I I do not think I want a second one. I like a beer that's a that's a meal. I, I got to be in the right mood for it, um, but but this is a this is a good time for it. I think I've probably mentioned it before, but back when I used to still drink, one of my favorite things to do was I flew a lot for work, um, and I'm not really big on time of day restrictions to things that you consume. Like you know, oh that's not a breakfast food or whatever. That applied to drinking as well when I still did that. So one of my I really liked having beer with breakfast. I thought like they paired really well. Um, and one of the great things about traveling is when you're at the airport, no one knows how long you've been awake or, you know, what time of day it is for you. Oh, so you didn't get um, judged as much as you typically would. Right. So when you go to some breakfast place, like they've got beer and you can just order it. Uh, so I loved pairing like a gigantic IPA with, uh, like eggs and steak for breakfast. I thought that, I thought that was really great. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that actually sounds I, really I thought, good. And at the yeah. airport, it only cost you a cool $1 million. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I just throw it on my travel voucher, though, and the, the company would pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I would never get reimbursed for my travel expenses. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about that I threw into the chat here. Well, the first one I wanted to talk about was how great Downtime 3 was, but I, I think half the people here haven't actually listened to it. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to it. Nerf, did you listen to it? I listened to part of it. I didn't make it through the whole thing. Okay, so I was mostly right. <laughs> I've got um, a new habit of I listen to podcasts when I'm falling asleep. And I think I have actually, like, I've gone through that one, but I was, like, half asleep or possibly entirely asleep <laughs> when it was playing. So 
Well, I, I recommend it, and not just because, you know, I think we should all listen to the podcast. It's a really great episode. All the downtimes are great, and this is no exception. And thank, I think it has replaced Shackles of Blood as my favorite session that we've done. Um, and it's 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 quite funny, but given what we just talked about, we can skip this. One of the things that I wanted to talk about was cool things in other role-playing systems, like cool mechanics. And the example I used was uh, the Dragon Age TTRPG system um, has a system called stunts within their combat encounter system. So the way that you do dice uh, or like rolling mechanics in the Dragon Age TTRPG system is it's all 3d6 instead of a d20. Um, now obviously that changes the your probability distribution of expected rolls, but um, what will happen is when you like roll to hit, you roll 3d6. If you get any set of doubles, then that earns you uh, stunt points. So the way it works is you got two dice that are one color and the third dice that's, they call it like your dragon dice or something. So if you roll doubles with any of your dice, the number that is on your dragon dice when you roll is the number of stunt points you get. And then you can spend those on like a table of things that you can do. Um, and you get to choose that as the player. So instead of um, like when you get a critical in Dungeons and Dragons, you just do more damage or maybe the DM lets you do something cool or whatever. Um, this has like a system in place where you get points to spend when you do this. And of course, doubles are going to be relatively common as opposed to one in 20 with a d20. You're going to get them pretty frequently if you're rolling three dice uh, every time you roll to hit. So it's it's a way to, you know, every couple turns you're going to get some stunt points and you can use those to do something neat to spice up the combat. I thought that was an interesting system uh, that I wish there was a little more stuff like that in D&D, although I suspect it would end up slowing down combat, which is a grave sin in my opinion. So it's take it or leave it, but I thought that was a cool system or a cool subsystem within the greater system of Dragon Age. And I was curious if you guys had any things like mechanics from other games that you think would be cool to uh, or, or cool in and of themselves or cool to add to something like D&D. Uh, yeah, I, I have a few that I really like from other systems. I'm, I'm not interested in adding them to D&D, but um, and of course now that I say that I, I just forgot which one I wanted to start with. Well, I'll, while you're thinking about it, this is something that would be impractical to implement in D&D, probably, but in Delta Green, one of the things that I enjoy the most when you're doing one of those scenarios is typically it'll be set at a real place. There may be details where, you know, there's like a factory that's not actually in that town, but usually, at least the way we do it, you pick, like, you're, this is being set in Chicago, and you can have... Google Maps open, and you can actually talk about where you are and where you're going to go and how long it's going to take to get there, and you can look at terrain, kind of, and it makes the visualization aspect a lot easier. Obviously, in D&D, that's harder because we don't have massive live 3D maps of the entire world, but... Yeah, I was wondering if someone had developed a tool for that where you can, like, import a picture of a map... And then you could, like, use the tools within it to draw routes of how long would it take to walk there, how long would it take on a horseback, how long, something like that. Or if there was some other system, like, is there a teleport system? And then I imagine somebody has, but it's probably paid. Maybe. Uh, I've never looked, but that would be that would be kind of neat. Now, of course, that would mean that you need to have very detailed maps of some areas, unless it's just, like, a, a broad 
scope of a, like a world and it's how long does it take to get from this city to this city um i think that would actually not be too bad it would just get more complicated if you were building like a big city and you're like how long does it take to get from one side of neverwinter to the other uh that would probably be very difficult uh, or at least very time consuming sounds like you should beat the change you want to see and make it yourself <laughs> you claim to be a, com a computer scientist. This should be child's play for you. That, I, I don't claim to be a computer scientist. I've just, it's factual that that's what my degree is in. That's all. <laughs> that sounds like something that's very doable, but also very time consuming. Right. And I don't know if the payoff is worth it. Because uh, yeah. at the end of the day, it's the amount of time it takes you to get somewhere is however long the DM wants it to take. Yeah. One of the things that I think is neat, and you could actually do this, and I think the player's handbook might actually recommend it. Uh, but when we did Traveler that Nerf was running, the character creation is like its own game by itself. And you can you start at some point, you can do a certain amount of, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to have this life event happen. And then you roll on some tables and you see what happens. And that informs the story of your character and, and can change stats and abilities and wealth and whatever else. Um, and I think that, again, there's tables for that in... Uh, D and D, and I'm sure that homebrew. There's way bigger, better tables out there too. I don't think I've ever actually made a character like that. Duncan has uh, for one of the things that I ran, but um, like actually just rolling on the tables and then just going with it. Um, I was yeah. thinking about it as Jack was doing his pit fighting thing, where I was like, "Oh, that would be a really interesting thing to do in character creation." Is all these downtime activities and rolling on these tables and like building a story of what this character has done prior to this campaign that we're running using all of these different downtime activities. Oh, one year he did a, he was doing pit fighting and he was really successful, but he also made some sort of enemy, you know, through that process. And that is like, now that, that's something about his character is that he's on the run from the, you know, whatever the job of the hut equivalent is in this town that we're in. Um, instead of just going like, Oh, he's a sailor. <laughs> um, and not that you can't make your own interesting story but that would be a, I think a fun game in and of itself of doing that the Witcher RPG system has that for Witchers specifically um, for you roll on these tables and you find out hey how well did they take to their mutations um, you know how old are they what kind of contracts did they take and what sort of what sort of scars or profits did that leave how many enemies did they make? You know, how much do people hate them in certain areas because of the things that they've done or the reputation they've built? Um, and I, I think that stuff is neat. Now, of course, I've lamented in the past that I'm really bad at actually incorporating what I have done with my character backstory into the campaign itself. But I think if you've got a, I think if you've got enough interesting things in the backstory and you work work it with the DM, I think it makes it easier to bring those things in, and it could make it a lot. A lot more interesting, potentially, uh, or give you more story hooks or things to concern yourself with as the story progresses. Nerf, I don't know if you have anything to add to that as the traveler guy. <laughs> no, um, <clears throat> I, the one thing I was going to say is probably the closest to Traveler's character creation I've seen in D&D is actually the heroic chronicle in um, the Explorer's Guide to Wild Amount, I think, the critical role book. Um, I actually haven't checked that one out yet. Yeah, it's actually I I think it's really good. I mean it it takes you through, and it's not it's not like a oh you know roll to figure out what your class is, but it's like a you know okay here's here's the possible hometowns you can roll on, um, here's like backgrounds you can roll on, here's like 
things that happened in your past life, allies, uh, rivals, like that kind of thing you can roll on. Um, that kind of does, I mean, like what like what you were talking about, it, it kind of gives you a place to start developing that background story. And it even has like some built in, like, like the way Traveler goes, you know, depending on um, depending on how you roll, you actually gain skills and and money and possibly even a ship from your, your background. And the Heroic Chronicle and Wild Amount did, did something similar where you could actually get uh, like wind up starting with a magic item or some extra gold or things like that. Right. And I think just from a narrative inspiration like standpoint, I think that kind of stuff is really interesting. Yeah. And the player's handbook talks about that where they're like, hey, you can pick from any of these tables or pick something else and just talk to your DM about it. But it can be really interesting to just roll on these tables and have shit like not really make any intuitive sense and then try to build a story out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's Some, sort of uh, sometimes like restrictive. Yeah, it's it's just a more fun creative exercise that way sometimes. Right, and it can be it can make it easier in a sense of those constraints kind of narrow your scope of possibility and can help you develop something that makes sense. Um, it's like if I just tell you, "Hey, write a story, write a short story, ten thousand words or less." Go. Yeah. You know the the number of possibilities. It might take you a minute to be like, "Well, okay, what the hell am I going to write?" Whereas if I say, "Write a story about a man who." crashes his car in the middle of the night okay like that's a starting point and you can sort of immediately go okay which directions can i go with this and um like that those constraints help you to you know focus it and and build something a little faster i think yeah um i I think there's some saying out there that goes something along the lines of um like a lack of constraint is the death of art or something like that um but I, i think that stuff is interesting and like i said the player's handbook does kind of nudge you in that direction from time to time but i think having a like a a bigger bunch of tables to roll on um and more events that you can do prior to starting uh kind of like what you were describing so i might check out that system i think that stuff is interesting and potentially leads to a much more fun character creation process yeah um so that's that's the kind of thing that i think i might try to do in the future next time i make a character um is uh, apart from the ones that i've already made do something like that just to spice it up and and give the dm more things to work with instead of just like oh i had this one thing happen and that's really characterized my entire existence it's like no i've got 30 (laughs) things that happened prior to this and you can pick any one of them and just run with it because there's just there's a ton to work with and any of it is good stuff um and it gives your character something to talk about uh you know or or interesting things about their past yeah that i think could make it a little spicier or, I mean, you can also just ignore it. That's fine, too, because we're doing something else. But if you want to just, hey, we're already in trouble in this city, and then my rival shows up <laughs> uh, to try and fuck with me. Like, oh, shit, now we got another thing we got to deal with uh, or not. And, you know, just see what the consequences are. Could be fun. It, uh, it also gives the opportunity for the for the DM to give you some inside knowledge, which I think is, is fun. Um, I, I think, unfortunately, with Curse of Strahd, it didn't really work out that any of us were from Barovia. Um, so I know that's something that Duncan... I know you mentioned to me a couple times that you were like, yeah, if, if, if we got a character that was from Barovia, there's there's things that I could let him know, and, and that would be interesting. <laughs> and not only did we not have anybody from Barovia, the the one local that we had that was traveling with us, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he drove her away. Well, yeah. and she had never been outside her house in the first place. Yeah, that's so. true. That's at true. least uh, some of the lore stuff where, like, we found out that ravens or crows or whatever were good luck here. 
and we didn't know that. It's like, oh, cool, flavor. Don't got that anymore. No. Yeah. But, well, you know, maybe, so maybe you'll my, find another one. Or my replacement character that alive. I talked about before, if, uh, if Light of Dawn and only Light of Dawn dies, that character is from Barovia, so... Yep. Might be might be time to kill Light of Dawn, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh. same, same for Kakabi's replacement. Aizen will never die. Yeah, well, and Barovia is an interesting thing, too, because you don't really expect to find a lot of out-of-towners. Like, you're not going to be like, oh, Pete, yeah. from my hometown, you're here, too. Like, yeah. That, eh. um, it's, it's something that you kind of deliberately, as part of the setting itself, don't expect to run into. So if you do, if your old rival shows up, you're like, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah. Um, as opposed to if you're out in Waterdeep, well, people come through there all the time, so it, it's totally not weird for someone from your past to show up there either by accident or as a result of you being there yeah. in the first place. Uh, that was something that I had done when I ran Curse of Strahd for some of my work friends years and years ago, uh, was I tried to incorporate their backstory or things from their backstory into Barovia. But again, I had to kind of twist reality in a lot of ways to, okay, yeah. <laughs> how did these people end up in Barovia? And then also these people from their past, like that doesn't make any sense. Um, so, you know, what... What twist of fate do I build here to make it happen? And my my players rolled with it, but I'm not going to sit here and say that it was all like this artistic work of genius. They were just like, oh, okay, I guess, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Curse of Strahd in particular is not a particularly great campaign for doing that kind of thing. But pretty much all the other ones are are fine, unless you maybe like Descent into Avernus or something. Maybe not because you're going into other planes, but... Uh, most of them, That's I think, when everyone rolls out those kind of tiefling thing. characters whose grandpa uh-huh. is, you know, Asmodeus or whatever. Right? Yeah. There you go. That, uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, no, that, that's funny. One thing I was thinking about, like, I talked before a couple table talks ago, or actually, it might have been the last one, um, where I was saying I, I wish we had, or I wish I was a little better about incorporating backstory into what you know what's going on now and into what my character does. Try this on for size. Tell me if this is stupid. But one of the things I was thinking about, we often have breaks here uh, where we go a week or two without posting anything, is we could do something like, um, instead of doing a session if people are busy, is me and Jack just get together and we just role play just a conversation that our characters have around the campfire or something like that, or as we walk from one place to another um, and just have that be not quite a skit like don't write it out just keep role playing and improving like we normally do but something extra where there's no plot going on it's just us talking to each other as characters and finding out more about each other or what we think about what's going on um, without you know losing the thread of the plot that's going on because we're not wasting Duncan's time with just inane chatter does that sound like something anyone would be interested in doing or is that just me being a weirdo I, I think that sounds kind of fun um that sounds interesting, uh, yeah. Either either as like a talking thing, or maybe even as like a like a play by post kind of deal going on in the background. Yeah, the issue with doing it via text is it's something that if we're since we're doing this as a podcast, right? We want it to all be audio. Otherwise, it's going to be hard to get it well, out to to incorporate right, it into and, the rest of the podcast. And that's exactly what I was thinking. Where it's hey, we just talk for thirty minutes, uh, and then we just post it as a podcast. Ah, gotcha, oh, gotcha. Hey, this is what our character's talking about. Yeah, yeah, because as much as, you know, I enjoy the campaign by itself, 
you know, part of the reason why we're doing this is to release a podcast and have this be a, like a, a story that everyone can enjoy as well. So yeah, doing play by post while interesting in another context doesn't really make a lot of sense for this. Or we just, we talk those out and we release them as a bunch of 10 second podcasts and really just up the amount of episodes that we're posting <laughs> for no reason. We like develop the script and then at the beginning of the next one, we, we just read it out. Yeah. Yeah. But so I, I say next time we've got a weekend where we're not doing a session and someone's available let's just give that a shot and see how we like it and if it sucks we won't post it but if it's <laughs> if it's cool i mean yeah i'm done we we've not posted some things in the past so yeah no i'm, I'm down with that certainly give it a shot mm-hmm. and it, hopefully for our legions of fans it'll help to uh ameliorate those ameliorate. drought blues Ooh. Yeah, sorry, I'll stop using the big words. It'll help to make better the uh, the in-between session blues that make our fans may experience. <laughs> yeah. Just one of those words that you don't hear too often. I think it's one that I've been saying too frequently recently. Uh, I don't know. I like the word. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. It is fun. Uh, this probably isn't how you, you came across Ameliorate, but there are... Um, a couple of my friends from college aren't engineers, right? And so they're then in why their own... be friends with them? Yeah, I know, right? But they're in their own fields, and every field has its own lingo. And a lot of their friends are people that they've met in their field. And so there'll just be words that they use that I never hear unless I'm around them. Like, uh, what was uh? Oh yeah, I've got I've got some friends in psychiatry, and. The only time I ever hear the word perseverate is with them. And I what? Actually the only met... time I've ever heard of that word ever is when you just said <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, so that was my reaction. I was like, what the fuck? Did... I... One of them said it, and I was like, I must have just misheard. Because that doesn't sound like an actual word. And then, like, a couple hours later, another one of them said it. And I was like, okay. And I had to look it up. It's, um, it's when you're, like, doing something over and over again. Uh, just, like, repeating an action. Um, oh, so like persevering? Well, no. It's specifically, same word? specifically, it's doing something over and over again, even though the thing that prompted the initial res- the initial response isn't there anymore. So, like, if I, you know, oh, okay. wave my that hand makes in sense your face in a psychiatric you, context. Yeah. So if I like wave my hand in your face and you kind of reel back and blink, and then five minutes you're still doing that, like five minutes later, you're perseverating. That was that was like right. that's an interesting or in the case word. of some traumatic event, you've got some reaction or some uh, coping mechanism that you use to get through it. And even though that stimulus is no longer there, you're still doing it, even though it's maladaptive or something. Yeah, I don't know exactly where the line gets drawn. I'm sure a psychiatrist would be able to tell you, but that seems like it would fit, right? Interesting word. Literally, never hear it unless I'm talking to them. Sure. Well, I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever say it because I I don't know that that really comes up very often, but. To your larger point, yeah. Uh, the the similar thing that gets me is when you've got some new person in the workplace, or so especially a new like like a new boss or something, and they've got some phrase that they like to use, and then suddenly everyone starts saying that. Uh, that yeah. just annoys the hell out of me. Um, I don't know why. It just it really bothers me when it seems like everyone's just picking up on the lingo of the boss. I'm like. Yeah. I, I don't know. If, I, if it's better lingo, like if it more accurately describes something, that's fine. But if it's just some f- turn of phrase that they use 
because of the, whatever their isms are, and then it just becomes popular. I just find that very annoying. Yeah, you see that a lot in the military, where like it's it slowly things have passed around so much that it's like everyone says like, "Oh yeah, just being open kimono," or uh, "Let me piggyback on that." Uh huh. Open kimono. Yeah, you, you really got to walk the dog on that one. It's <laughs> funny you say open kimono. Uh, at my previous workplace, that was a phrase that my boss used. I'd never heard anyone say it before. It's yeah. obvious what they mean. Yeah. Uh, he's like, wow, we really opened our kimono about, you know, because we had embarrassed ourselves doing something. Oh, and, uh, so so the way I've always seen it used, it's like, it's like a, like a, hey, I'm just going to be straight with you. Like, I'm not hiding anything. I'm open uh, kimono so the way, here. The way yeah. my old boss used it, it was whenever we, like... It's it's more like a public indecency than a, a ah. open book kind of thing. <laughs> That's really um, funny. Okay. Yeah. The thing that gets me is, and this is one of my uh, one of my bosses, a couple levels up for me right now where I work, but um, she uses this phrase. She says at echelon a lot. Um, <laughs> like she's like, hey, people need to do this at echelon, and, and what she means by that is. You know, at every rung in the ladder, people need to be doing this. Like, it's not her level or my level or the people above or below me between us. Um, it Everybody should be doing this. And I don't know why, but she says it like, it's like every other sentence. And now, a bunch of other people <laughs> say at echelon all the time. And I'm like, guys, why do we need to say that? Uh, like, why do we phrase it that way? And it, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I know what she and everyone else means, but... It's just, again, it's one of those things that nobody was saying it because it's just not a thing people say, but it's a phrase that she likes to use, and now everybody uses it. Um, and I, half the time, it doesn't really add anything to the conversation for people to say it. It's just echelon sounds like a, you know, it's like a somewhat uncommon <laughs> word, and it makes you sound slightly smarter for using it. And I, I just don't feel like it's useful, and so it annoys me when people say it. Sorry, I might have opened my kimono up a little too much there. No, I'm, it, it was annoying hearing you say it. I can't imagine hearing it all over the place. So. We've had a couple of, whenever we have a leadership change where I work, they, uh, they'll they have some turn of phrase. And it's always interesting because there's, all, there's a lot of politicking where I work. And you can always tell pretty quickly who likes the new leadership and who doesn't because part of the, of the site... Will start saying all the same shit that the new that the new boss says. They'll pick up on all these phrases and it'll it'll be like really noticeable. And then other people will refuse to do that. And so there's this like sort of interesting game you can play where you you figure out the weird stuff that the boss is saying, and then you try to s spot who else is doing that now. And you can figure out a little bit of the, the dynamics at like the leadership level. You it's know, it'd be fun funny if for us recognizing that a leader uses that as their metric for determining like who's who's a loyalist and who isn't when they get to a new organization. They're like, I'm going to start saying Insano style all the time and see who <laughs> who picks up on it. And all will be the well. People who, the, yeah, the people who start saying Insano style, they're my team and everyone else can go fuck themselves. I uh, dude, I think we should start saying Insano style. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. You got to like that's a Joel Haver video. You got to like that. Oh, is it? Is it? The video ah. is called This Video Goes Insano Style. I have not seen... That's, like, probably the only Joel Haver... Well, maybe not the only one, but I, I've not seen that one yet. I bring him up a lot. Somebody posted a, one of the Joel Haver videos, like, the cartoon ones. That was probably like me. two years ago. Yeah, it was either you or Jack had posted one, too. Or, it doesn't matter. I, like, fell in love with Joel Haver, and I watch all his stuff now. Uh, so... And I've, I've referenced him multiple times in this podcast, so if anyone's wondering why that's the case, that's why. But... Yeah, this video goes insane. No style is about him trying to make that 
phrase or whatever more common and for it to really catch on. Uh, and of course it doesn't work, but uh, I think Insano style is a very funny thing to say. This might be the longest video of his that I didn't know he made things that were longer than like five minutes. It's like 20 minutes or something, or 16 <laughs> minutes. It's, or it's, yeah, makes, minutes and 53 makes seconds. Films. Right? Yeah, he, he, he has a movie. Yes. There's a movie on no, several. I yeah, haven't I think he's, he's got like eight stuff, I guess. Oh, dang. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've watched a couple of them. Uh, I enjoyed them. Yeah. One what of them, you? I can't remember which one it's called, but it's it's a full feature where it's just him and this other guy. Like, he's house-sitting, and this other guy who claims to like have a relationship with people in the house like it's them just hanging out in this house as their house setting it for like a weekend or something it's actually really good his best work is as uh caleb playing dark souls <laughs> that's feature length. one of them is like four hours long i think both of them yeah it's they're actually really great uh i've watched both of them because he's got one i mean there's a couple caleb videos but the long ones are he's speed running dark souls 3 uh, and then there's another one where he's playing Elden Ring. And yeah, they're both like four hours long. I've watched them both and they're great. Hmm. I feel like I've really let Joel have her down by not watching all of his material. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, he's it goes got, insano like, style for sure. Ten, ten feature films. How have I not seen? Hey, Joel Haver, we've, we've plugged you. Now, will you return the favor, please? Yeah, okay. please, Joel Haver. Have me and everyone else on one of your videos. I don't want to be in a video, I just want to get plugged. Have our voices be in your video, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me we're what to late say. afternoon gaming. Hashtag. We we should have him as a, a guest character or guest mm. uh, player on yeah. one of these uh, podcasts. You know why we haven't gotten as many viewers as we initially thought we were going to? We need to be on on Truth Social. What's that? That's <laughs> <laughs> the, the the Donald Trump social media thing. Oh, oh. yeah, that makes sense. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know what? Speaking of politics, you guys been keeping up with the January sixth hearing at all? No, no, I meant to and I forgot. What's going yeah. on? Give me, uh, give me the skinny. Well, I was hoping you guys had because I haven't. Oh, yeah, okay. I guess we'll have to wait until next week. <laughs> next well, time. you know what? Though we can talk about the Depp Heard trial. I didn't. Oh, I, I didn't I, man, hear I, how that talk resolved. Talk about something I don't give a shit about at yeah, all. It's I, that. I yeah. don't care about Johnny Depp or Amber Heard. I, I heard that it was done. I did. I don't know how it resolved. I think uh, both got the Depp death one. penalty. Yeah, Johnny Johnny Depp got what he wanted. Oh, okay. What's Which it? is basically so the result was I think she, uh, like the the court said that she owes him like fifteen million dollars for defamation or libel or whatever. Mm. Oh, okay. Which the joke is that her net worth is like two and a half million, so it's a uh, it's a pretty big price tag. Oh yeah. No, I don't know how any of that, that shit work? really works, but <laughs> hmm. I think funny. she goes to debtor's prison, right? Yeah, yeah she gets sent to Georgia, the <laughs> penal colony. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That would be something. Oh, good for Johnny Depp, I guess. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Again, that was something I had, wasn't following before. So when the trial came out, I was like, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Kang Curtis. Pleasure doing business with you. I'll link that. That's a classic. Yeah. What was that wife swap? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> Can you imagine, as a dude, like, agreeing to be part of a show like that? Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I, let me, I want to walk that back. Can you imagine as, as any human being <laughs> consenting to be part of a show like that? Right, so for people who aren't familiar with Wife Swap, the idea was... No, 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 you got for people to, who aren't familiar with Wife Swap, keep it that I feel way. like, yeah, I feel like it's, well, isn't it, is it not pretty self-explanatory? Well, I'm not going to take like an hour describing it. It's just the the conceit of the show is you've got two families 
uh, like a nuclear family, and then for some amount of time, I think it's like between a couple weeks and a month, the wives, the wives swap places, and so they're they're the wife of you know this area or this other family. And I think like the first part is they just have to do whatever the previous wife had done, and then the second part is they get to start asserting their own systems in this house. So, all right, now I've seen how you guys do things, and I'm going to make some changes. And then at the end, they everyone comes back together. They're reunited with their normal family, and then they have to discuss, uh, like, have like this panel discussion about, you know, what one family is doing wrong, or what you know, what what nightmare occurred during this thing. You know, it's it's how really many, dumb. There how many classics out of it, wives though. do you think have fucked the husbands? Oh, that was what I was going to ask. Because it's it's a weird premise. Because it's like imagine if. You know, Jack, you and I swapped jobs, except we didn't do our jobs the whole time. You know, you I went mean, to my I office barely... and I went to yours, but neither of us are qualified to do the other person's job, and so we just, like, walked around. That's what Ar- Arguably, I barely do my job now, so that wouldn't yeah. be much of a change. Yeah, they might not even notice, honestly. Just put the same name tag on and you'd be all right. They'd probably be happy to get rid of me. <laughs> I... But I, I, I have logistical questions about that, just like I do with Undercover Boss. Yeah, like I, 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 I don't oh, yeah, yeah. maybe this is explained at some point. I've, I've literally never seen an episode of it, but what? Like, how do they explain the camera crew? Yeah, I have to imagine because I've also never seen it that mm. it's it's like a hidden camera thing, and like they they do actually hide it. But I just I don't really buy it. I don't. I mean, uh, when you work in a the you know it's like a fry cook at a fast food place and a you know 55 year old dude wearing a rolex shows up and says like i i work here too now like are you not a little bit suspicious uh, i think snl had a bit on this like 10 years ago where it was like what if richard branson was doing it and it's like uh <laughs> <laughs> like i know you're richard branson he's like oh i've been found out yeah, they they did um, one with uh with the new star wars where it was yeah, um, they did one with kylo adam, ren adam driver yeah, yeah kylo ren um that that was really funny yeah, yeah. I, I don't really get it. And the the meme about Undercover Boss was that it was just a PR stunt for the company because, you know, oh, I'm I'm the CEO and I'm going to see, you know, how my workers really are. Oh, my God, things are really hard for this one. I'm going to pay for the kid's college tuition, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which if you're McDonald's and, you, you know, you pay $100,000 or whatever. Right, for all this advertising. Like dirt, dirt cheap for the the good PR that you get out of it. Like, oh my god, he really... It's like, well, are you going to do that for all your employees? No? Okay. Uh, Then, you know, it's good that you did it for this one, but, you know, you're... This is the the cheapest ad campaign you've ever had to run. And, like, that's the more cynical take on it, which I find myself thinking about more often when I think about something like Undercover Boss. Yeah, and that's why I don't believe in forgiving uh, college loans. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I did listen to... uh, the Mott, or the Bailey, what's it called? I think it's the Mott. Yeah. No, it's the Bailey. It's the Bailey. Anyway, uh, they had a, a podcast episode about the student loan forgiveness, and I, I found myself agreeing with one of them. I think it was Tracing Woodgreens? I don't remember, but uh, it was very similar to my position of, like, I made a lot of, or I made certain sacrifices so that I wouldn't have any student loans. Um, and I don't really regret any of those decisions, and I would still do the same thing uh, because I think I still made good choices. But if they then say, hey, you know what? Student loan's forgiven. It's like, well, what the hell? Like, then why did I do, you know, why did I have to go through the process that I did in order to avoid that if people who didn't, for whatever reason, they just get off scot-free? No, I'm, I'm pretty um, much the same. I would find I, that frustrating. Whenever I have to deal with anything difficult, I want to make sure everyone else has to deal with it too. 
Right, exactly. Hmm. Anything else would be totally insano style. No, but I think I think it would disincentivize certain decision-making processes, like the one that I had done, hmm. um, that end up, I don't know, being good. I'm not saying there's nothing to be said for forgiving student loans, but yeah. but I don't care about those people because I'm not one of them. My real position is that I think most of college is and uh, I've I've yeah. I've yeah. met so uh, many yeah. fucking that had degrees, right. uh, including <laughs> like on, surprisingly advanced ones that I have zero faith in the system anymore. And I've I've come to conclude that there are just people who are inclined to learn things and people who aren't. And uh, the way our university system works is is just a awful, awful credentialism mill. Yeah, I I generally agree. I think we overvalue college. And yeah, sure. I think one of the good things that is coming out of our current economic situation, I was I saw a headline the other day pop up in my feed, and I kind of rolled my eyes, um, which was there's a lot of people leaving college right now to join the workforce because right now wages uh, for a lot of unskilled work are going up. So they're like, oh, well, like now is the time for me to go do that, and then I'll go back to college later. Um, yeah. And the the New York Times analysis was, well, but you need to go to college because it's going to make things better for you. Uh, and it's like, well, they can go back to college later. Like, this is it's not it's not like when they go to this job that they are now chained to that job forever. That's not how things work. Yeah. So I don't. Know, I, I think it's a good thing. I have increasingly become. I'm, I'm very skeptical of, I guess, the kind of stepping stone life path philosophy, where. Right. Like every stage you're just looking you're looking forward to the next one, right? You know, you do work hard in high school, do a good job so you can get scholarships, get into a good college and work hard in college so you can get a good job and you know, work really hard at your first job so you can get a good second one and so on and so on until I like what's the what's the end goal? Is it like a comfortable retirement when you're fucking riddled with you know, old old people diseases and and stuff like that? Like I I uh I, I'm not. I'm not saying you should never plan for the future, but I'm more and more uh, invested in trying to have a reasonably good time now. Um, yeah, there's it, certainly that should enter the equation at some point, probably. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it should enter the equation right fucking now, and you should. I, I, you know, don't fuck yourself over. Like, don't shoot yourself in the foot. Um, but the the kind of I I I, I uh, I'm a I have a time... Well, you've probably heard of the time value of money. Um, yes. I'm a believer in the time value of time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, where I... Uh, like, the longer out into the future you project, the less likely you are to be alive. And the more likely you are, if you are alive at that point, to be in some kind of shitty circumstance. Like, you have cancer. Or... You know, you can't walk very well anymore, or your wiener doesn't work anymore, or whatever. So, uh, in general, it is a good... Like, the time you have right now is more valuable. And so, if you can afford to have a good time now without, you know, totally uh, compromising yourself later on, do it. Stop. Stop planning on a future you might not have. Or don't focus on it to the exclusion of of now. Yeah, yeah, but I, I would I would definitely I, I think a lot of people do it backwards where they they put their heads down and they work really hard young so they can I guess have a good time when they're elderly 
when you you just don't have the capacity to enjoy it the same way you would have. And I, I think there's a probably a better way to go if you just don't work quite as hard. If you, you know, don't work 60 hours a week, make sure you cap it at 40 so you have more free time. And maybe you won't have quite as much money down the road, but you can, you know, take more day trips now or something like that. Uh, I, I was having a conversation with a, an older guy where I work, and I shared my secret plan that I'm, you know, probably going to leave in a year and then take an extended vacation, you know, months long at least, and go do some some road tripping I want to do and that kind of thing, and uh, and then start start a new career doing something else later, something totally different that I, I, you know, think is interesting. And his advice was, oh, well, if you want to do that, like we can start, we can get you into a program now. And basically, you know, on the weekends or at night, you can kind of, you know, get ready to do that. And I'm like, you don't get it. I don't want to work two jobs right now. That's the whole point. Um, I'll just, well, I, yeah, go, go ahead. No, I was going to try to wrap it up. Yeah. I was going to say, so the, uh, that of course brings up something that I think is a good way to kind of reflect on life in general, which is to look at the script for Star Wars Episode One. Um, so at the beginning, when Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are on the Trade Federation ship, um, and Obi-Wan senses something bad about the situation, um, Qui-Gon tells him, don't center on your anxiety, Obi-Wan. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. Hmm. Obi-Wan says, Master Yoda says I should be mindful of the future. And Qui-Gon says, but not at the expense of the moment. Be mindful of the living force, my young Padawan. I think that that pretty pretty succinctly wraps up what you were saying, um, right? It's you gotta you should you should be aware of what's going on around you and be thinking about the future, but not if it is at the expense of the moment um, and you know the here and now because you know it's important and you have to be mindful of the living force. Of course. Oh yeah, that's that's not what I was saying. What I was saying is you should ignore the oh. past and the future and you should focus exclusively on the present. Oh, I see. Okay, I think it's that's somewhere else in the script, but I'd have to find it. <laughs>